All right, church, we're going to think about this text for a minute and see if we can make a couple applications for, uh, for us in our day, in our place, and I believe that uh, God will reveal that to us. You see, again, like last week by the seaside, as we noted, a large crowd had gathered. Remember, Jesus got into the boat because of the large crowd. And again, Jesus is doing his primary ministry, which is teaching. However, many, many people were attracted from far and wide because of his healing abilities. So he's teaching and he's healing. And presumably because the crowd is so big and the doorway is jammed with people, who hasn't been to a party that's something like that? There was this man on a stretcher being carried by others, but there was no way to get through the door. And it is very possible that the man on the stretcher couldn't get to Jesus, not simply because of the numbers of people, but because of the attitudes of the people, the dispositions of their heart. In other words, they didn't make room because they had concluded that the man's paralysis was because of divine judgment. And if the guy was judged by God, getting what he deserved, then why make room? But the man's friends didn't see it that way. Thank God, even in our worst moments, there are a few that are around us that see our possibilities and our hope, as Jeremiah or Jeremy indicated earlier. And these, and these four were determined. So Jesus' message is interrupted by the sound from the ceiling scraping and pounding and breaking. And there are some well-intentioned guys taking the roof apart, presumably a tile roof, to let this man on a stretcher into the house. Verse 20 says it this way, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Seeing the faith of another, not the faith of the paralytic, the man on the stretcher, but the faith of the men. Like last week, again, faith is visible, something we can see, something that is active, something that is obedient. Remember last week was Peter makes this act of faith, of obedience, when Jesus says, put out into the deep with your nets. And Peter responds with an action, with active faith. And I challenged last week that faith is not primarily having right ideas or a simply a rational process. I'm not saying that we'd be irrational. That's not the point. But there's something beyond being rational when it comes to faith. And our faith is not primarily about our feelings. Hasn't it felt good this morning being in worship? Yes, it has. We know that we feel good about that, and yet our faith is deeper than both our thoughts and our feelings. Once again, faith is action. It's active. It is life in motion 
in response to God. We could see that in Peter. Faith is active and obedient, and now we see it in these men. We know it from the book of James that might say faith without works is dead. Am I making my point? The faith is visible and that it can be seen, that it can be observed by others. I'm not saying always, but many times observed by others. It's not simply your private spirituality. That is not biblical. As much as the world wants to corner us and push us in that direction. And what Jesus sees in these four men stirs his heart. He is moved by the friends to forgive the man's sins. That is bold. You see, to heal someone is no small feat. But healing was not unheard of in the ancient world. On the other hand, to forgive sins? How could a human being do that, the Pharisees are thinking? And only rightly so. Because, see, I don't forgive someone else's sins unless they sin against me. If someone sins against me, then I will try to forgive, commanded by God to forgive their sins. But for Jesus, in other words, to forgive sins means that I have been sinned against. So if Jesus is forgiving sins... Is this to somehow imply that he is the one sinned against? And the Pharisees are wondering, who does he think he is? God incarnate? Of course, we know the rest of the story. For instance, for instance if I take your backpack, then you can choose to forgive me for taking it. But if I take your backpack and then someone else forgives me for what I took from you, that's really weird. Jesus is acting as if he was the God whose laws are broken and whose love is messed up by sin. So verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I like that little phrase, began thinking to themselves. It's recorded several times in the book of Luke, and it's not a positive thing when that happens, when you begin to think to themselves for the simple reason that forgiving sins is not the work of human beings, but God themselves. This is what they're thinking. So Jesus asked a question that offers two impossible options, which is easier to say, verse 23, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. I mean, who tells paralyzed people to get out of bed? And who can forgive sins? They're both impossible, it seems to me. And Jesus says in verse 24, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And I want you to note this because it's the first time now. We've been moving through the 
Gospel of Luke, those who have been around for a few weeks with us. We're moving through the Gospel of Luke, and now we see this phrase where Jesus referenced himself as the Son of Man. This is the first time of 25 times that it'll show up in Luke's Gospel. What may be obvious to us wasn't so obvious to those in Jesus' day, and especially these Pharisees who are trying to keep, keep us coloring between the lines. Okay, so the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, and Jesus says, get up, and the man does. And it is a, it's a beautiful description then in our text. Immediately he stood in front of them took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. And they were filled with awe. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Now, like most stories in Scripture, there are various points of view in which we could sort of look at, lens through which we might see this passage. And I don't want to lose sight of the hero of the story. The hero of the story is obvious as you read through this. It is Jesus, now the Son of Man, the, 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 the Messiah, the Anointed. He is no doubt the hero, the carpenter turned teacher, turned healer, but now even more, he is the one who is forgiving sins. But of course we could take the point of view of the Pharisees because they seem to be the villains in the story and their resistant attitudes and their judging disposition and their negative thinking to themselves. But maybe you identify with the, the man on the stretcher. That is, the, you're, the own, you're paralyzed in your life in, in some ways. And you're in need of Jesus and you're in need of healing and hope and certainty of forgiveness. But this morning, I want us to focus on those four guys for just a minute. Four friends. Four friends. What's it like to have four real friends? Stretcher-carrying friends. Dylan, get up here. Come on up here. I got to get you on the mat, and I'm hoping you have four friends, okay? We got to get you on the mat here for just a minute. And this is an ancient, this is from the first century kind of mat. I think we're right out of it. We, no, we found it here in the building. It's great that we've got, get on the mat there. We're, all right. All right. Now, Bill, Dylan's a pretty big guy. This is not easy carrying this guy through the roof. But, Dylan, you got four friends? Do you? Okay, all right. You got to call them out, and I hope that they're, they're, uh, they, can, they can manage this task. All right? Who is it? Do they know? Uh, Kennedy. Kennedy? Okay. Ke Kennedy, Gracie, Cohen. Who is the fourth one? Uh, Bryson. Bryson? Okay. Come on, guys. Come up here just for a moment. <laughs> all right. Get up here, Bryson. Kennedy. I hope we aren't going to re-enter re your grace on this. All right, you got to pick this guy up. All right, he's on the mat. 
All right, who's on which side? Get over here, right here, Kennedy. Grab that one, Bryson, right here. Go on, just, let's just try lifting them. Let's just see that. I just want to, I want, oh! <laughs> Don't worry about dropping him, he's paralyzed. Okay. Uh, all right, okay. Now, now, if you could imagine, imagine the effort, church. Imagine the effort of taking this guy to Jesus, fighting the crowd, not being able to get through the doorway, and, and pretty heavy, huh? How, how are you, you doing okay? <laughs> Try, okay, now you've got to get him to the second floor, okay, because he's got to go down through the roof, right? Okay, that would be the kind of the second floor on the, and so imagine it was as high as the baptistry here. And uh, I'm not quite sure how you're going to do it. I hope there's, a, there's either a, a, w- a gradual way to get there from the back or there's some steps to get up there. But you could imagine, we won't have you lift him that high because that could be, I'm just going to you, have you hold him for the rest of the worship, okay? Maybe uh, you drop him? All right. All right, let me just think, let me, let's just think for a couple of minutes here about some things. There are a few questions that are asked. First of all, I want to put up this slide. Who are your stretcher-carrying friends? And, 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 I, and, I, and I want you to hear this. If you can't name four right now in this congregation, I promise you there are four here. Okay? You just haven't very creatively used your imagination in terms of, because there are people all over this congregation who would grab a corner of this stretcher to do this work, even if they don't yet know your name. Yeah. Are we going to need it? All right, Kenny. Go. Let's go ahead and put him down for a second. Beautiful, guys. Good work. Good work. Sit down. Not an easy task, you know. I'm not saying carrying a stretcher is easy. Boy, that proves the point, doesn't it? And to, and to get through and to get to the crowd. But who are your stretcher-carrying friends? I mean your band of brothers or your band of sisters, if we can use that term for sisters. The band, that, 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 whether that's a connect group or whether that's your huddle group. Or, I, you know, in our huddle group, it's Charles and Philip and Chris Fuller and Steve Autry. I mean, that, that, there's, there's five of us actively. Don's been coming from time to time. But, you know, that's, that's a band of brothers right there. That's my group on Thursday mornings. And I can count on it. And they're so reliable on being there and just being present and being present for, for one another. Number two, in what ways do you see the faith of your friends? It's one thing to have friends, social friends, but I'm talking about friends of faith. If you cannot see the faith of your friends, then let's think about it. Number one, maybe you don't have any friends, so you can't see their faith. Number two, you cannot see well, and they have faith, but you haven't seen it. Or number three, your friends are lacking in faith. So that would be a good one to assess. And number three, are your friends helping you encounter Jesus? Because it seems to me that that's what a real friend would be doing if I'm reading the text right. Somewhere along in that relationship, and it may be a golf buddy, or it may be somebody you play basketball with, 
or somebody you play cards with, or somebody you go out with, but there better be some elements of that that are helping you encounter Jesus. Will they carry the stretcher? Will they lift you onto the roof? Will they make a hole in the roof and help you through? Will they let you down into the presence of Jesus without dropping you? Will they take the risk of getting you to Jesus even if they might drop you? Do you have stretcher-carrying friends whose faith is visible? Now, nothing per se in my teaching this morning says you must be in a small group. However, every one of us needs stretcher-carrying friends. Just as Jeannie shared with us during her communion about the importance of her small group in doing that. Three qualities of those friends. Concerned, concerned for your well-being, committed to getting you to Jesus, and creative in making it happen. Ha! That's what a, the type of people I want to surround my life with and the type of person I want to be. Whether that is a connect group, whether that is formal or informal, whether that's a huddle group, whether that's a Sunday night group, whether that's a breakfast group, whether that's a book club, whether that is a coffee clutch, whatever, whether that's a prayer group, be in these relationships where we have friends who will bring us to Jesus. Dale Simpson, come on up and share a little bit more focus. We've got two illustrations. Dale, or applications, Dale's going to be the first one on that as he talks about our connect groups and their kickoff, and then I've got an, a second application before we're finished today. Thank you, Jeff. Boy, does that ever blend into what I just am about to say. <clears throat> yeah, I'm Dale Simpson, and I'm the leader of the connect group ministry here. And I say, good morning, church. This is about the third good morning you've heard so far, but it has been a good morning. Uh, it's good to be together once again to worship and to encourage each other. And speaking of encouragement, I'd like to speak to you briefly, five minutes, give me five minutes, <clears throat> this morning about our connect groups. This is the season of the year that we emphasize our small groups as school is in session again and most of us are at, uh, getting into our home routines, vacations are generally over by now, so we're ready to go to, to meet together. Now our shepherds have highlighted the importance of connect groups, for which I am uh, very grateful. You can see that in the four emphases that are listed in the news that Dolores sends out um, <clears throat> each Wednesday. And that emphasis is, how do we strengthen our relationships with one another? Well, going into this fall rollout, there are 12 connect groups. You can see uh, that in the, uh, um, excuse me, <clears throat> including the uh, Axe College group, plus five huddle groups that meet throughout the week, most of them at restaurants around town early in the morning. Um, some men, some women's groups. You know the following passage. I've read it before. 
let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works. Hebrews 10:24. <clears throat> now I want to thank Jeannie for her story, and I've got one, and I want to tell you why I am so committed to small groups. Leslie and I uh, were invited to a small group meeting after church one Sunday about 50 years ago. Yes, we are that old. When we were both in grad school, <clears throat> that group turned out to be instrumental in the growth of our faith. And like the men who lowered the paralytic through the roof, that group did a marvelous and caring thing for us. We were poor as church mice, as they say. We were living on government commodities and later food stamps. <clears throat> After we arrived in town for grad school, two years later I was a teaching assistant uh, making slave wages and Leslie was pregnant with our first child. Now we had rented from the church there, living in a duplex, which was going to be too small for bringing in a, a child. And the former youth minister's two bedroom house came vacant. Uh, next door on the property. The uh, small group that we were in inspected the place, which was dirty and messy. I'm not sure that's what uh, youth uh, ministers do, but anyway. And they all agreed that this would not be a suitable place for a baby. So for at least a week, mostly after work, late at night sometimes, up to 20 people, worked to fix up that house for us uh, to bring home our first child. <clears throat> there were carpenters, there were contractors who worked to add to our kitchen. They pulled up disgusting rugs and they fixed up the hardwood floors and the whole place inside was scrubbed down and painted. Now even Leslie, God love her, fully nine months pregnant worked and had to come down off a ladder to go to the hospital. Now, we've never forgotten <clears throat> the love that our small group showed us. That's what a small group can do for its members. And because of them, we have been committed to groups ever since, starting and leading groups, uh, directing small group ministries. I would like now the small group leaders, co-leaders, and their families to stand up to show everybody the commitment that they have to uh, uh, to the small group program we have here. Would you all stand right now, just so people can see you? And some of them are not here today, but uh, this is a great representation of the people who head our groups. Now, you might want to talk to any of these people about their experiences and ask about their groups. Now, why groups? Because we're better together than apart. You said that last year. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's Ecclesiastes 4. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That's what a connect group does. Now, out in the foyer, on a table near the uh, exit, <coughs> or entrance, is a list of connect groups and huddle groups. And uh, if you're not in a group, why don't you go out and pick up uh, each list and consider joining one of them. It has contact information in it, uh, uh, who leads the group, how to get a hold of them. 
And even better, we always could use um, new groups. Why don't you consider hosting and even leading or co-leading a group? And see me if you have uh, any, uh, if you feel the call to host or to lead. And I do want to remind uh, the small group leaders, the connect group leaders, what time is it now? It's 10.38, about 10.40 or so. So about uh, 10.55 or so, you can chat out there, have fellow. Oh, excuse me, after class, excuse me. So I don't know how long the class is going to last. <laughs> I don't know how long the class is going to last, but give yourself 15 minutes to chat with people if you want. But please come on up to the fourth level for the uh, connect group leaders meeting. Thank you. Hey church, this is our huddle group. We meet on Thursday mornings in, in Webster at Panera Bread. You can see it in the background. We've been doing a little putting this morning. We're getting ready for a mini golf for missions time where our small group is going to cover your cost to play mini golf on September 11th, coming up real soon. And we wanna get as many foursomes, as many people together for connections and missions as we possibly can, supporting the missions of Philip and Sarah Mathieu. It'll be at Swingcom Fun Town at five o'clock on Sunday night, September 11th. We wanna fill up every hole, see if we can get at least 18 foursomes and just get out there and really encourage one another, have fun together as a church, some new connections as well as old connections. It can be families, it can be your small group, it can be a foursome that might come together from the food pantry. And you might wonder, how's it gonna help missions? Well, we're doing it to raise money for formula for the babies in Burkina Faso. Suggested donation of a dollar per hole for individuals? No, a, a dollar per stroke. Oh, a dollar per stroke. dollar per stroke for, for the foursome of small groups or a dollar per hole for families. For a family with kids. We know how those kids can play. Yep. Yes. <laughs> we look forward to and fun that night. Got to help babies in Africa. That's right. All right. <laughs> Mini golf or putting for kids, or putting for... <laughs> Come have a fun time. <laughs> okay, guys, you got to join us for this. We want this to be a congregational effort. We want it to encourage connection with one another. And again, just like Dylan and his friends, you got to force them already for the golf, for the mini golf for that night, Dylan, right here. You displayed that for us. So everybody, we want you to form a... Form a foursome. Maybe that's from your small group. Maybe that's from some other group that meets together. But the point is connection and relationship with one another. That's why we're saying even the, the, maybe those who serve together in the food pantry on Wednesdays. That could form a foursome, okay? Get what I'm saying? Golf, foursome, okay? We're going to put four together that way. And we want to have relationships just like these stretcher-carrying friends, in this in this text and what we're going to do when we get down to uh, swing around fun town is uh, we got the place it's ours that Sunday night and uh, you don't have to pay anything to show up but you have to putt well or you're going to pay a bunch 
okay? So, and now we'll put some caps on it, okay? So it won't be too bad. But we want to raise money, raise up money for the baby formula for these mothers and babies in Burkina Faso to help, uh, to help support or encourage Philip and Sarah Matheny. Is all that making sense? And so September 11th is the perfect day to kick off your small groups right after Labor Day and it gives us two weeks, just two weeks from today to kind of get, get our foursome squared away. Come down there and play. We'll raise money for missions together. God bless you.